0: check, check. Now I'm on. Thank you, Hannah, for uh, leading us this morning. I want to continue this morning in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Matthew chapter 12. I want to ask that you remember uh, Joel and Ashley and Joseph. They are uh, traveling today. Uh, They had an opportunity this weekend uh, to lead a Conference lead worship at a conference, so I want to remember them. And uh, so grateful that we have uh, such competent and wonderful uh, musicians to fill in uh, whenever they're out. So saying thank, thank you very much for Hannah. Uh, I know that uh, that she was a little nervous this morning. So as as uh, you leave today, please let her know how encouraged you were uh, by uh, by her leading us. <clears throat> also wanted to encourage you. Uh, Bo mentioned uh, for. Just a moment this morning about our life groups. Uh, Most of our life groups are meeting twice a month. Uh, We're meeting uh, uh, every other week. However, uh, the life group that Brother Dave is leading is meeting every week, and they're studying the book of Romans. Uh, So if you are uh, bringing your kids or bringing your teenagers to church uh, for those other weeks, uh, slip in. Uh, to Brother Dave's uh, life group and sit alongside uh, him as he studies uh, the book of Romans. So they will be meeting every week. While most of our other life groups are meeting uh, twice a month, their group is meeting every week. You can see uh, the sign-up sheets for those life groups are in the back. Uh, and so we're excited about what God is doing uh, through the fellowship here at Redeemer. Well, like I said, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Matthew chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 38 through 50 this morning, 38 through 50, Jesus has been discussing his healing of his casting out of the demon-possessed man with the Pharisees, and this is where we pick up the story, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, it says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you, but he answered and said to them, "An evil, adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no, shine, no sign shall be given to it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was there in the three nights, in the days of the be- three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth." The men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up with this generation at the judgment and she shall condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, It passes through the waterless places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And some of them said, Behold, your mother and brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. And he answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother, my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in your grace and in your mercy, Lord, you reveal yourself to sinful men. God, we pray that this morning, as we open up your word, may you speak to our hearts. May we hear from your Holy Spirit. May you convict us of sin. May you convict us of of our own self-righteousness. And may we fall prostrate before our King. Lord, may you lead us into obedience that we may be used for your kingdom. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, if I have a a hacking spell in the middle of my sermon, you'll just have to uh, just excuse me. I've been fighting a head cold for the last couple weeks, so, uh, so just bear with me this morning. Jesus has been Matthew chapter 12. Jesus has been having this ongoing discussion now with the Pharisees. Uh, We see in earlier in Matthew chapter 12 uh, that there was brought a man who was possessed by demons. In verse 22, there was brought a man possessed by demons, and Jesus cast out the demons. And the, the Pharisees say, he is casting out the demons by the prince of demons. And then Jesus says, no, if I were... Why would that, that wouldn't make any sense. A, a, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Why would Satan cast out Satan? And so Jesus has this ongoing discussion with them. And so this is, this is kind of where we pick up the story. And I pray that as we leave here today, that, that you would be filled with the Spirit of God in such a way that you would live differently. Because as we will see in Jesus' discussion with the Pharisees, it is not enough. It is not enough just to get rid of the bad things in our lives. It's not lo- enough just to change our behavior so that, so that we, we look the part, but we must be filled with the Spirit of God in order that we are truly different. So, Jesus is, is confronting the Pharisees, and so I want us to understand that while the multitudes are there, that Jesus' main audience for this particular passage are the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees come up to Jesus and we look at verse 38 and they ask Jesus for what? They ask Jesus for a sign. Now, keep in mind, what has Jesus just done? He's just cast out a demon. And if we go back, if we go back through the text in Matthews 8 and 9, whom the Pharisees were aware of what was going on in in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew's chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus performs 10 of the 35 miracles that are recorded in the Synoptic Gospels. 10 of those take place in Matthew 8 and 9. And so in Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus has performed at least 10 miracles. And in Matthew chapter 12, where we are, Jesus has just, he's just cast out demons. So the question for a sign is, is somewhat is somewhat empty because Jesus has just been performing signs and wonders yet the, the I'm sorry the Pharisees ask Jesus for a sign now ironically Jesus will give them a sign yet their hearts will already be hardened toward that sign Jesus will give the Pharisees a sign in fact he tells them what sign he will give them i will be buried be three days in the earth, and I will rise again. It is, it, is, it is the 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 epitome of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that the Pharisees will deny. It is the very essence of who Jesus is. The problem is that for the Pharisees, their hearts were filled not with the Spirit of God, but their hearts were filled with the law of God. Now remember, this is, this is a very... A very easy place for us to get with the Pharisees. Because remember, for the Jewish people and for the, leader, the leaders of the Jewish people, there were three, three main pillars of, of their faith. One of those was the law of God. One of those was the temple. And one of those was the land. God had promised them, he said, I will give you a land, I will give you a, a a land that flows with milk and honey, and he had promised it to them, and he had given it to them, yet because of their disobedience, because of their idolatry, they had been exiled from that land. Jesus had, God had promised them that I will give you a place that 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 Solomon will build for me a house, and my presence will dwell there whenever, um, whenever, whenever. Moses was was in the wilderness with the Israelite people. They had a tabernacle. They had a place, a dwelling place for God. And once the tabernacle uh, gave way to the temple, the temple was the dwelling place of God. The presence of God dwelled with the people. In the Babylonian exile, the temple was destroyed. And there was no longer a dwelling place for God. So the land was gone. The temple, the dwelling place for God was gone. The only thing that was left was the law of God. And so the Pharisees and the Israelites were so emphatic and so emphasized on the law of God that the law of God filled their heart and the law of God became their God. Rather than worshiping the God of the law, they worshiped the law of God. And in doing so, their emphasis became, do what is right. Do what is right. And the emphasis became our behavior and our actions rather than our heart. That was the whole essence of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 15. I want us to see how this is not, this is not what God desires for his people. Luke chapter 15. (coughs) Luke chapter 15, verses 2 through 7. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine to the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, in the same way, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need not repent. There is a desire, and the essence of the Christian faith is repentance and forgiveness. It is redemption. Because the reality is, is there is none who are righteous who need not repentance. There is no one, John tells us that there is no one who does good, that there are none righteous. Paul tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so for the Pharisees to deceive themselves, that they have done enough of what is right, that they have obeyed the law to the point that they need no forgiveness, that they need no no repentance. They are so intent on doing what is right that they miss the very heart of the gospel. Now, it's interesting because this whole dialogue Takes place, this whole dialogue takes place over Jesus casting out demons. Now, I want us to remember that the miraculous signs of Jesus are not intended to be a demonstration of his deity. Jesus doesn't perform miracles so that people will know that he is God. We see all throughout the Old Testament as well as New Testament that there are many people who perform miracles who perform miracles and and signs and wonders on behalf of the Lord. We see Paul casting out demons. We see Paul healing people. We see Peter causing the lame to walk. We see people in the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha. We see uh, other prophets in the Old Testament that are performing miracles and that are doing great signs and wonders. The signs and wonders are an attestation that Jesus is from God, not that Jesus is God. And there were many people in Scripture that that performed signs and wonders as a a demonstration that they were from God. But instead, Jesus gives them an illustration. Go back to Matthew chapter 12, and I want us to look at the illustration which Jesus gives them. He says, you want a sign? I'll tell you a story. This is where Jesus is. He says, remember the people of Nineveh? A prophet was sent to the people of Nineveh, a prophet was sent to the people of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh heard that prophet and they repented. Remember the queen of Sheba? The queen of Sheba knew that there was something greater that that she was searching for and she went far and wide and she found Solomon and the wisdom that was taught by Solomon and she repented and she followed in that wisdom. And so Jesus tells them a story. He tells them a story of the people of Nineveh, the enemies of God. He tells them a story of the Queen of Sheba, the enemies of God, who repented and came and followed God. And compared that, compared the people of Nineveh and the people of uh, the Queen of Sheba to that of the Pharisees. And said, they submitted to the prophet. They submitted to the wisdom of David, the wisdom of Solomon. And here you are, Jews, teachers of the law, and you are failing to recognize he that is greater than Jonah, he that is greater than David, he that is greater than Solomon. And so Jesus tells them a story. He says, you want a sign? Let me tell you a story. Instead, the arrogant, pious Pharisees reject the message of Jesus. While the Gentiles hear and repent. So you see what Jesus is doing? He's saying, You Pharisees, you look down upon the Gentiles. You look down upon these heathens, these people who you consider less than, these people who you consider not worthy of the grace of God. And look, the grace of God has been poured out to the people of Nineveh. The grace of God has been poured out to these Gentiles. Why? Because they heeded the words of the prophet and they repented. But you are so pious, you are so high and mighty, you are so, so consumed with the law of God, so consumed with doing what is right, that you fail to see that you're in need of repentance. You fail to see that even in your pseudo-righteousness, that you're in need of the grace of God. Jesus pointed out that he is greater than the priestly order. Jesus pointed out that he is greater than the prophet. Jesus pointed out that he is greater than the kings. You say, well, where in the world did you get that? Where's Jesus just coming from? He has just casted out demons. When? On the Sabbath. Remember that's this is how this whole conversation got, how this whole conversation began. Jesus' disciples were eating on the Sabbath, and then Jesus casted out demons on the Sabbath, and they began to, to address Jesus' and his disciples' sin on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, Was not man made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath made for man? And Jesus questions the whole priestly order? Jesus demonstrated that he is greater than the priestly cult that has, been, that has been constructed by man. And then he makes the statement here in Matthew chapter 12 that he is greater than the prophet Jonah. That there is one who is greater than Jonah that is here with you. And then Jesus later on in the very next verse makes the statement that he is greater than the king. He is greater than Solomon. That there is one who is greater than Solomon here with you now. Jesus has just made the statement and just made the point to the Pharisees that there is a priest that is greater that is with you. There is a prophet that is greater that is with you. There is a king that is greater that is with you because Jesus fulfilled all of the offices of prophet, priest, and king. That there is one who is greater that is standing before the Pharisees, but they are so blinded by their own righteousness, they're so blinded by their own effort to fulfill the law of God, that they miss the grace of God standing right before them. The illustration of Jesus returns them to the whole point of this initial discussion. And that is, freedom from evil is not the end game. It's not enough to get rid of wickedness, of evil in your life. It's not enough to get rid of evil. When we insist that the heart of Christianity is based on behavior, we miss the gospel message. How many of you have ever vowed to change a behavior in your life? We just began new years new years resolutions. Many of us you know say we're we're you know I'm going to resolve this year we're we're going to I'm going to lose the weight that I've been trying to lose. I'm going to go to the gym every day. Maybe 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 you're more spiritual than that. And maybe you realize that look this this temple this this shell that i'm walking around in there's no hope for it it's already past the point of no return so we're going to work on the heart and we're going to vow to you know we're going to read our bible we're going to do our devotion we're going to we're going to do whatever it is that 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 we vow to do and we're going to do it every day and we make this this desire that we're going to we're going to vow to change our behavior has anybody ever been there Maybe, maybe you, maybe you go to a revival, or maybe the Holy Spirit just gets a hold of you at a, at, a, at a conference or at a retreat, or maybe on a Sunday morning, and you make a vow, I'm gonna, you know, I am going to do this or I'm going to do that every day from this point forward. Has anybody ever been there? How about this? How about, how about, has anyone ever been at the place where they say, you know what? I can no longer continue to have this behavior in my life. I I must cut it out. The Lord has, has convicted me. I know that I cannot continue to do X, Y, or Z and and call myself a Christian. And so I vow that from this day forward I'm going to be different and I'm no longer going to do this or that. Has anybody ever been there? <clears throat> Whenever I was in high school, I was in tenth grade, and as a as a young man, I had I had a bit of a uh um, I had a bit of a foul mouth. I thought that, that it made me cool. It made me accepted by my friends to talk like a sailor. And so whenever I was a, a young man uh, and you know, when I thought that adults weren't around, uh, I would often uh, use profanity and curse. And uh, there came a point in my life, uh, whenever I began I got invited by some friends to start going to church on a Wednesday night because <coughs> they had a youth service and and they said, Won't you come and go? And I said, it gets me out of the house. I can I can go hang out with my friends. Sure, I'll go to church. And so I began going to church and I realized that that around those people it wasn't cool to talk like I normally talked. And so I made a me and my me and my friends that had invited me to church, we we made a pact. We said, we are going to stop cursing. And so this, this, was our, this was our effort to stop cursing. Is that when you cursed, you had to put a dollar in the jar so that, so that you could, uh, uh, so that whoever uh, caught you cursing, whoever heard you say the curse word, they would be able to take that dollar and they would be able to go buy ice cream from the ice cream man. Because if, you're, if you remember whenever you were a child, uh, and even, you know, teenagers don't like to, to admit this, but whenever you hear the ice cream man, you get excited. And, and we were 13, 14, 15 years old, and, and when the ice cream man w- would come around, we would all get excited, but, we, but, but none, of us, none of us wanted to spend our own money. And so, so what we did was, whenever someone would hear you cursing, well, you had to buy the other person an ice cream cone, or you had to buy the other person a, a screwball, or you had to buy the other person a, uh, you know, now they have like Spongebob and all these kind of uh, crazy ice creams. But, but so, so, that, so that was what we did. So we spent a whole summer, and we were trying to stop cursing. And we probably each spent $30 or $40 buying the other people ice cream because we couldn't stop cursing. Because we would, we would get frustrated and we would, we, we would curse, or we would, we would get excited, and we would curse, or we would get angry, and we would curse, and 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 we, we just kept buying each other ice cream. But then something happened in my life. And I was born again. And the summer between my Sophomore year, between my sophomore year and my junior year, I heard the message of the gospel. And I saw my need for a Savior. And I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus. And I invited the Spirit of God to come into my life. And the Spirit of God began to indwell me and began to empower me. And all of a sudden, the motivation to no longer curse was different. It wasn't so that I didn't have to fork out a dollar to buy my friend an ice cream cone. It was, I want the Spirit of God to live inside of me. And the Word of God says, let no profane thing, let no unclean thing come out of your mouth. The Word of God says, every man will be a given an account for every idle word he speaks there in the day of judgment. And the Spirit of God began to motivate me to do that which is right. And so it wasn't about cleaning up the outside. It was changing the inside. And from the inside, from the out, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You've heard me say this over and over and over again. And the principle is true. We can train a dog not to urinate on the carpet. Every time he does, we can spank him, we can rub his nose in it, we can change behavior. But the dog is still a dog. And whenever we leave to go out of town and there's no one there to discipline the animal, he's going to use the bathroom on the carpet. God does not desire us to change our behavior. He desires us to change our heart. Look at the text. Look at the illustration Jesus gives. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12. Jesus talks about verse 43. Now when the unclean spirit goes out of the man. It passes through his waterless places seeking rest and it does not find it. Then it says I'll return to my house from which I came. And when it comes it finds it unoccupied, swept, put in order. What happens is is the man cleans up his life. He changes his behavior. But it's left empty. And when it's left empty, it is open and it is it is inviting for even more wickedness and more idolatry and more evil. I want us to look and see John chapter 10.10. 10. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said what? I came to give life that you might find life and have it more abundantly. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. I want us to see what Paul says about Christ and about his redeemed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17. Jesus says, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's is freedom. There is liberty in Christ we have freedom, we have fulfillment, we have liberty, there is a satisfaction, there is life that is abundant in Christ. The essence of Christianity is not marked by the change of behavior, it's marked by the change of heart. Hear me church, the Pharisees didn't get it because all they were concerned about was changing their behavior. And Jesus says it's not about the behavior. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. It's not about fulfilling the law. It's not about crossing your T's and dotting your I's. It's not about being good. Church, hear what I'm saying. Christianity is not about being good. It is about being filled by the Spirit of God and living in obedience to that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. In the law, there's bondage. In the Spirit of God, there is freedom. How many of us have vowed to change our behavior only to fail? How many of us have vowed to stop doing something only to fail? Evil must be replaced by God. Or else it just opens the door for more evil and more wickedness in the future. John chapter 3 gives us a beautiful example of this. Flip over there with me, if you will, to the book of John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Jesus makes this statement. He's talking to the teacher of the law. John chapter 3, he's talking to Nicodemus. (coughs) And he tells Nicodemus, he says, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, verse three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. (coughs) Nicodemus being the astute teacher of the law that he is, he says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered and said to him, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going so is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus and he says, how can this be? And Jesus said to him, are you not a teacher of the law and you don't understand these things? He said, you must be born again. Evil cannot be... Simply eradicated, there must be a new birth. We must be born of water and the spirit. John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples how this is going to happen. When they are born again, whenever we are born of God, the wickedness is done away with. We are crucified with Christ and we no longer live. And the life that we once lived, we now live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Look at John chapter 14. Verses 16 and 17, Jesus said, telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen when I leave and you are, and, and the Spirit of God descends, this is coming. And for all of us, for all of us after this, this generation, after the disciples, the born again experience will be accompanied with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Look at verse Verse 17. That is the spirit of truth whom the word cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus says this is how we are going to live the Christian life. Evil is going to be done away with because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said I will take care of the issue of sin. But we just saw that the issue is not just stop doing the bad things, get rid of the bad stuff in our life. The bad stuff in our life must be emptied. and that, That vacuum that is created in our life must be filled with something. What must it be filled with? The Spirit of God. When we are born again, when we are born again, the evil is done away with. And we are filled with the Spirit of God. How in the world... Is our behavior ever going to be able to truly change? Because that which is inside of us truly changes. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, all those who are in Christ are a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. How is that possible? Because God himself indwells us. It's not enough just to get rid of evil. Evil must be replaced by God. He must dwell within us, live within us, occupy our hearts, occupy our minds, occupy our thoughts. Let us never, church, strive to be better, but let us strive to surrender more to Christ. Hear what I'm saying. By striving to be better, we will always fail. By striving to to sin less, by striving to, to behave better, we will always fail. But when we strive to surrender more to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to live in us, that is the key to living victorious in Christ. So, What does that look like? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Paul says it like this. He says, we are destroying the speculations, every lofty thing raised up against God and the knowledge of the gospel. And we are taking every thought captive and making it obedience to Christ the thought comes into our mind. We take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ. So it's not enough to get rid of evil, but we must replace evil with God. Church, let us not be blinded to the things of the Spirit. Let us not be blinded because of our presuppositions, because of our preconceived notions, to the things of the spirit who knew jesus best his family his brothers his sisters his mother in this context jesus is standing teaching the pharisees the pharisees probably heard the teachings of jesus more concisely more consistently than any other group with the exception of his disciples the Pharisees knew Jesus. They knew his teachings. The family of Jesus knew him. They knew his teachings. Yet they were blinded to who he was. Look at the text in verse chapter 12, and we'll close with this. They told Jesus, verse 46, he was still speaking to the multitudes, and behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside him seeking to speak to him, and somebody told him that. Verse 48, he answered and said to them, who was telling him? He said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Stretching out his hands. He says, you are my brothers. He who does the will of the Father are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers. Jesus said this. He said, those who are blinded to the things of the Spirit are not part of me. But those who are open to hear what God has to say through the Spirit of God. They are those who belong to me. So I want to encourage us with this this morning. The Spirit of God in us is what empowers us to live differently. There's something that distinguishes The Christians, those who have called themselves, those who have been called and set apart by God from the rest of the world. What is that? The Spirit of God in us, living through us. If there is something in your life today that you know you need to change, you cannot do it on your own, church. It's like striving after the wind. There's something in your life that you know you need to do better. You cannot do it on your own. Surrender to the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask You this morning To reveal to us that which we know we need to change. Those areas in our life where we need to surrender. Those areas in our lives that we need to change. Knowing that we cannot do it in and of ourselves. God may you fill us with your spirit. May you give us grace. May you give us forgiveness. Lord, there are things that we need to repent of. We need to turn from. We need to ask your Holy Spirit to empower us to live differently. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. You don't need to vow. You don't need to commit. You don't need to say from this day forward, I in my own power and my own strength am going to do this or I'm going to do that. This morning you need to surrender to Christ. You need to acknowledge that in and of my own strength and my power, I know I'm going to fail. But I must surrender to Christ and have Him fill me with His Spirit that I may live differently that's you this morning I want to invite you to come as we sing this hymn of invitation you know that it's not enough to get rid of evil but you must replace evil with the spirit of God maybe this morning God is speaking to your heart to become a part of the body of Christ here at Redeemer maybe God has spoken to your heart about serving in some capacity. Whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning, may today be the day of decision. Lord, may your Holy Spirit move in and amongst us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.